Folks, I hope you received a blank postcard on your way in and a pen if you needed one. So while you're pulling out your postcard and your pen, I'll reach for mine. Did, do people have one okay? Hands up if you don't have a blank postcard. Most people do. Okay, if you need one, the stewards could maybe have a quick look around and see about bringing one to anybody who, who doesn't have one. There should be spare ones. Keep your hand up until you've got one because you need one for this next exercise. Very, very simple exercise. Um, we're going to be thinking again about frontline stuff today, but I want you to think about your job or your role on your frontline. So whether it's a, a paid job um, or just the thing that you do, whatever your occupation is, it could be that you're a school pupil, it could be that you're a retired person who looks after your grandchildren, it could be that one of the big things you do each day is to, to go and walk your dog, whatever it is that you feel is your your main occupation. So I want you to do two things. I want you to think about what is your job title, and then I want the top three items on your sort of job description or your to-do list. To help illustrate, I'll tell you what I've got on my card. So there's my card. It's got four words on it. So the first word, my job title, I've just written minister, because that's that's what I am, all right? Minister is my job title, and the first three things I've written on my job description are preaching, so teaching the Bible is a big part of my work, pastoring, so being in touch with people and encouraging them, and then leading, leading the congregation. So preaching, pastoring, leading are three things that I've written down. Now, You might need a moment to think about what's your job title going to be and what are the first three things, the first three things on your job description. While you do that, just to give you a couple of moments to do that, we're going to stick a song on and just let it play. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes, about two minutes, so that's 120 seconds and it starts now, so go. Okay, folks, I hope you've had a a chance to do that. Um, Keep those cards near you because I'm going to ask you to look at them again a little bit later on in our service today. Just now I'm going to hand you back to Alan for our children's song for today. Folks, just as the boys and girls are heading out, the Bible passage we're going to have before us today is in a very, very familiar one, but I'd still love you to have it open. So it's on page 970. It's where Matthew gives an account of the prayer Jesus taught his disciples. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 on page 970. Let me just read that, um, just the few verses from chapter 6, verse 9, down to verse 13. This then, said Jesus, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Keep that uh, passage open before you because we're going to keep an eye on it this morning. Um, This morning we come back to a series that we've been dropping in occasionally during the year. So this is part four of a frontline series. It hasn't been running in consecutive weeks, but rather we've uh, had a couple, uh, have them every five or six weeks throughout the church year. So we've been talking about our frontlines, and we've said that everyone has a frontline, a place where we work or a place where we simply do life and where we encounter people who don't yet know Jesus. In October, we started by recognizing that, by imagining ourselves as red dots. And then, if you remember, we put some, they're not there anymore, but for, for months, there's been a map of Belfast up here with a red pin showing where lots of us spend our time during the week on our front lines. We sent you home that week, at least a lot of you, with a, a coaster to remind you. So maybe you're still using that and remembering. Uh, on a second Frontline Sunday, we, we looked a bit more closely at this, the, the locations where God has put us. He wants us uh, to serve him, to honor him, to bless people wherever we are. And we sent you away with a postcard that Sunday. And we asked you to notice three things on it. God's presence with you. We asked you to think about the pressures that you encounter there. And we asked you to remember what God's purpose might be for you to be there. On a third Frontline Sunday, more recently in January, we thought about God being with us, whatever we do. If you remember, that's the Sunday I asked you to bring some stuff with you, something that symbolizes your workplace. And we had a big heap of stuff here at the front. Um, You won't be able to see too many of the individual items. It, it was inspiring. Um, uh, the hard hats were there. Uh, we had a, a good look at Dave Mottram's panel hammer that he uses for uh, making aircraft. So it was brilliant just to think about the, the whatever we do. What you didn't get a chance to do, some people didn't get to bring items along, so they uh, wrote some stickies on the day. I thought I'd read a few of these stickies to you uh, of things that people wrote at our last frontline service. So this is what people are doing on their front lines. Baking and bringing it with me when I visit. Designing. Providing advice to farmers. There's one here, just a picture of some children on it. A cross-community volunteer. Encouraging young people to improve their ambitions. Teaching young people to prepare them for GCSE and A-level exams. Managing manufacturing. Holding the hands of a scared patient. I help our team with process and with tools to let them do their job. Here's a, this one wins the theology prize, bringing order out of chaos. 
So isn't that beautiful just to hear some? That, that's only a small sampling of the things that people are getting up to, uh, the whatever they do on their front lines. And we sent you home that week with uh, a whatever-you-do pencil. Uh, that might remind you that whatever these jobs are, however mundane the, the list is that we're writing, um, God is with us and in it. So there, there we go. It's all very simple, isn't it? Whoever we are, whatever we do, or sorry, wherever we are, whatever we do, God is with us. It, it sounds great, but there's still a problem, isn't there? For many of us, we're not sure that this is really for us. We think this is for other people. No matter how often we hear this message, we still feel like it's not quite for me to live for God in your front lines. Well, that feels like something that other people could do, but I couldn't do. People who are outgoing, who are confident, who are well-qualified, other people, but not me. I want to think about that a little bit more today. I want to see that God wants to use us, yes, wherever we are and whatever we do, but he also wants to use us whoever we are, however weak we might feel or however insignificant we might imagine ourselves to be. You see, in the end, our significance, our value and our worth, they don't depend on where we are or what we can do. They depend on who we are our identity in Christ. So I've already alluded to this in our service. You are a son and a daughter of the king. You're a child of God. And that changes everything. I want to think very quickly this morning about a couple of questions. Who are we? And how do we pray? First of all, the who are we question. Identity, you could read for the rest of your life about identity if you wanted to. It's quite a complex area. I had a, an unusual chance to think about it recently. One of the kids in our house had an art uh, piece of art homework to do. They were getting ready for portraiture to draw a portrait of a, a person. And to prepare for that, they were asked to think about and research the area of identity. So I, I learned a whole lot, as you do as a parent watching your kids go through school. So I learned about various aspects of identity. So there's your projected identity. So my projected identity is what I offer you. It's how I sort of show myself to the communities that I'm a part of. So that's, that's my projected identity. Then there's an imposed identity. That, that's what is the outside uh, imposes on you. So for example, I was talking to, to my kid about this. We were saying, well, you're a school pupil. You know, you're a teenager. These are the, the aspects of your identity that are imposed on you. Uh, from the outside. There, there were lots of other aspects of identity, but, but the one right at the core of it for me is individual identity. Who am I? Who do I conceive or perceive myself to be? So I want to ask you to think about that for a second. What, what is your primary identity? What's the first thing 
that comes to mind, the biggest thing. By the way, that can be a hard question to answer, and the answer that you give tends to depend on the context in which you're asked it. So if you're asked it in a professional setting, who are you? You'll, you'll say, I'm a, an accountant or a lawyer. If you're asked it in a familial setting, you'll say, I'm a dad with two children. So it, it's kind of context-specific, and, and I want to run with that. I want to ask you in this context who you are because I'm your pastor and this is your church family. This is a place that has to do with your inner life, with your soul. So I'm asking you in this context, who are you? While you're thinking about that, turn with me in your Bible there. Just keep your finger where you are, but flick to John chapter 1 on page 1063. This morning I want to bring you to God's word, show you your true identity. You are a child of God. We could do a big Bible theme exploration of this. Uh, There'd be a lot of material that we could draw on. But this morning I've taken you straight to one of the key passages John chapter 1. John's introducing Jesus Christ, the one who has brought life into the world. Verses 12 and 13, John tells us that when we receive and trust in Jesus Christ, to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of a husband's a decision, or a, sorry, a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Child of God. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, that is who you are. And nothing, nothing could possibly be bigger than that. That now is your primary identity. That's pretty easy, isn't it? So all our, all our problems are solved. There's 200 of us here who walk through this life with ease because we know that we're children of God. We don't struggle with our identity. Nothing shakes us. Isn't that right? No. So this is our identity, but we do struggle to own it to live out of it. The truth is, folks, we are in a tradition, if, you're, if you've grown up in a, an evangelical tradition in particular, you'll have been told a hundred times that you need to be born again. But what we're not so good at is helping people to learn to live the life. To, to be born a child of God's one thing. To learn to be a child of God is the work of the rest of our lives. So that's the invitation here this morning. Nothing's more important in your life than learning that you are a child of God and learning how to be a child of God. Writing on this subject, my mentor, James Houston, says this, being a human child is only the beginning of life, but being a child of God in full maturity is our human destiny. At another point, 
Houston says this. He says, we face a crucial choice. Are we to live in an impersonal world where we have to fend for ourselves? Or are we to live under the shelter of a God whose being is love and who is the source of all personal being? Listen, whether you think of yourself as converted or saved or, or whatever, I'm, I'm asking you to think, are you a child of God? You can be a Christian and miss your identity. You can live without living out of it. There's a choice we face. Will we live as children of God? I'm going to pause there for a second and sing a song just to break up our teaching this morning. Um, the band and I were, were smiling. It's, it's not a song of our time. It's a song of a previous time. But it's one of the songs that most clearly articulates this fatherhood of God. Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist without the knowledge of your parenthood and your loving care. While we sing, uh, the stewards are going to lift this morning's offering. Please take a seat. Uh, please have open before you. It's at this point that we really get to the passage we read earlier in Matthew chapter 6, page 970, the Lord's Prayer. We've talked about how we are children of God. Jesus was crystal clear about this. He talked often about his Father in heaven. That's how Jesus related to God. And he wanted nothing more for his disciples than they would know God as their father too. 
And that's why when he taught them to pray, he taught them to pray, Our Father. Address God as your dad. Because that's what he is. We've thought here about who we are. We're going to think for these last few moments about how we pray. We pray as children of God. Just going to move through the prayer. That first part of the prayer, if we held that before us, if we prayed that a number of times this week, it might help to establish this identity in us that we are children of God. Our Father in heaven. Here we have Jesus in the greatest prayer the church has, the one that over the centuries we've chosen to pray over and over again. It's a child's prayer. I hadn't really noticed that. It's a child talking to their dad about the life that they share together. Let's see how these prayers sound when they come now from a child, God's child. We pray, first of all, for our part in the Father's business. Hallowed be your name. Uh, It's old language, isn't it? We don't hallow anything. Probably the only place people know that word, isn't there? Harry Potter, at at the end of the series, has hallows in it. It means to make your name holy, to make your name great. We're like, when we pray this prayer, we're like the kid in the playground who knows that their dad knows everything, that he can do everything, and it probably reflects badly on me, but I I always thought my dad could beat up all the other dads. Do you know that my dad kind of thing? It doesn't tend to last. It, It fizzles out somewhere in the middle of P2, I think. But, you know, my dad... Well, the person praying this prayer knows that their dad is great, but they they want the world to see how great their dad is. They want the reputation of their father to grow uh, among all the people that they know on their front lines. That's That's a great prayer for a kid to pray. Hallowed be your name. Jesus then invites his disciples to ask the Father to change the world. That's, that's really what he's saying. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think God likes the world the way it is? You know, the, the philosophers, the great thinkers of our time told us over the last few centuries since the Enlightenment that we're where it's called the, the idea of progress. The idea that human society is just getting better and better and better because we've, we've learned to overcome poverty, we've learned to educate ourselves. It's, it's just on the big upward turn. How's that feeling in 2020? We live in times when the world is broken in a thousand very evident ways. I've been very challenged about this recently. Preaching Isaiah, uh, the prophet's been reminding, we've been doing this in our evening services, prophet's been reminding God's people of 
God's call for them to live just lives or to, to be engaged in what we might call social action. Last Wednesday, uh, a number of us from church here went down to an event called Beyond the Food Bank down in Bally McCart. Uh, we were thinking that evening in particular about fuel poverty, and I was introduced to a, a horrific idea that I hadn't really heard of before. Heat or eat. So that's for the families in Belfast who have to choose whether to feed their kids or to heat their home because they can't afford to do both. Heat or eat. This is the city that we live in. And this is why we pray and ask God to draw us into the renewing of this world. Pray, talk to the Father about this stuff, Jesus says. Your will be done here in our neighborhoods, in our city, on our front lines, as if it were heaven. We, it's okay to pray, it seems, in Jesus' prayer to talk to God about our, our own wants. We're not trying to be some sort of martyrs. Jesus invites his followers to pray for today's bread. That's a good thing, by the way. We don't like praying for our bread. We'd rather earn it and store it up ourselves. I don't know if you've had the experience. I, I can't be sure of your circumstances. Have you, have you been desperate any time recently to pay the bills? Because if you have, you might have prayed this prayer. We, we think the good life is getting life to a stage where we don't have to pray these prayers because we don't depend on God. Loads of us live with an illusion of control. This is a good prayer. We're dependent on our Heavenly Father in ways that we just don't see anymore. Few people in history have understood better what it is to be a child of God than a young French saint of the Catholic Church, Saint Teresa of Lisieux. She died at the age of 20. She could only write out of a youthful and a childlike perspective. She grasped her identity as a child of God. At one point in her writings, she described the child of God as a person who expects everything from God as a child expects everything from its father. It is concerned about nothing, not even making its own fortune. So that moment where, or, or that phase of your life where you knew that your parents would and could and did provide everything, Jesus invites us to pray and live that way. That's how a child of God prays. We pray about yesterday's mistakes. Let's keep moving through this prayer. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, there is a great prayer for your front lines. Why is that a great prayer for our front lines? Well, we have defined our front lines in this series as a place that we share with people who don't know Jesus. 
Well, if we share any space with people who don't know Jesus, we're going to need to forgive and be forgiven. Actually, if I share space with any other human being, then I'm going to need to know how to forgive and be forgiven. Folks, we're not as good as we think we are. And the folks around us aren't as good as we wish they were. We know that. So we pray this prayer. Having this childlike posture helps us again at this point. Uh, Teresa, again, gives us a lovely image. She says being a child of God means never being discouraged by your faults. Because children frequently fall but are too small to hurt themselves much. Isn't that brilliant? Who is it who can't give or receive forgiveness? It's the big guy. Somebody who's big in their own eyes. When they fall, it hurts them terribly. Be like a child, Jesus says. Just know that you're a faller and then get up. Receive his forgiveness, offer it to others and move on. We're nearly done. Praying for tomorrow's walk and work. One last phrase in the prayer. It says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus encourages us here to to think of ourselves as people who are in grave danger of sinning, of mucking up, of getting it wrong. He seems to think that we shouldn't be too confident of our own ability to keep going as his disciples. Folks, there's an enemy who wants to seduce us, take us away from the ways of the kingdom. Times of testing, they'll come. So we should pray for protection and for deliverance. And that's just the point. We can. We can do that. We can pray. We can talk to our Father. We don't need to go into our front lines unprotected. We can go in the powerful, protecting, life-giving presence of our Father God. So, who are we? We're children of God. We've taken time today to really dwell on that. I hope, I hope that image can... It's one of those ones I don't think it works to hold it up here. You've got to own it and live out of it. I'm a child of God. I'm his daughter. I'm his son. Serving God on our front lines isn't going to be about trying harder. It's about living a different identity. As you return to your front lines this week, go knowing just one thing. Know who you are. Daughter of God. A son of the king. We're going to watch uh, the We Frontlines videos. If you remember, we've watched one of these in each of these. Um, what we're going to see here is our four characters that might be vaguely familiar to you by now. They're, they're coming to the end of their day and they're reflecting 
on their day before God. They're reflecting on their value in God's eyes. And they're reflecting on the people and the tasks that he's entrusted to them. So let's watch this wee video together just now. Evening comes. Lay tasks to rest. Thoughts reflecting on the day. The gifts you give. The people you trust me with. What an honour it is. To work within your plan. You know my name. For the work you give me, your strength sustains. Yet I am more to you than instrument. I am son, daughter, friend. In my inmost, knit to you. Inseparable. Invaluable. Loved. Celebrated. Heard. Pursued. Grace abounding. Found in you. My work could not win this gift from you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Folks, I want to take a moment. If you could pull your card, your postcard... It's blank on both sides, double-sided blank. So I want us to have a go at rewriting our card in the light of what we have heard today. Um, So I told you that mine was minister is my job title and my job description included preaching, pastoring and leading. I wondered if, in the light of what we've seen in God's Word, this image of ourselves as children of God, we could rewrite that with a bit more poetry, a bit more beauty, a bit closer to what God has in mind for us. So I've had a go. This is my Blue Peter one. I'll write mine along with you as you write yours in a moment. I've written that I am a child of God, serving as a minister, who invites people to my Father, accompanying them on their journey, and leading the community.
to him. That feels a bit different than a functional title with a few bullet points. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to have a go at rewriting what you have on the blank side of your card. So so what I, what I want you to do is I want you to say, start a sentence that says, you know, your job title is whatever it was before, a child of God who does whatever it was that you had, and then rewrite those job description points through the eyes of what it means to be a, a child of God. Let me give you two or three minutes to, to do that, maybe a bit longer this time because it might take a bit longer. Thanks, Phyllis. Um, folks, uh, don't know how you got on with that. Uh, you might have found that a, a difficult thing to do. Maybe you found it a, a wonderful thing to do, or maybe it was somewhere in between. Um, I've I've had a go at writing my final wording here. Not, well, it doesn't have to be final. It can can still be changed. So, who am I? I'm a son of God, serving as a minister, who invites people to the Father accompanying them through life's ups and downs, gathering a family round our Father the King. It's better than where I started. I like it better. I hope you had the same experience of seeing through new eyes the, the person that you are and the calling that God has on you. Just going to make a few announcements at this point, um, and then we're going to pray together. Um, not too many announcements very quickly. We have an evening service here this evening. We're uh, continuing our studies in Isaiah. There is a communion service this evening. I, I should say we have communion uh, a couple of times a year on a Sunday evening, uh, and that's been deliberate to uh, allow people who maybe can't be around on a Sunday morning to, to come and to join us. So um, if you're free this evening and, and want to be with us at a, a communion service looking at Isaiah, you'll be very, very welcome. Next Sunday, we have a visiting speaker with us. Um, Helen Warnock, the principal of Belfast Bible College, uh, will be coming and she'll be continuing a series uh, that we've had running here in Mark's Gospel. So uh, that, that'll be very good. Helen's a, a brilliant teacher, uh, so I'd encourage you to, to be here to enjoy that next week. I started a new introduction to discipleship groups on Wednesday night. Um, I have a, a rule about those groups that... Uh, I'm willing to take newcomers after the first meeting, but not after the second. Once we go past the second, uh, we close the doors and that group just goes on. So there's still time if anybody would like to join that ministry uh, just to either speak to me or sign up on the church calendar introduction to discipleship groups. Uh, you'd be very welcome. Somewhere up here I have, yep, yeah, there I have it. Last week we showed you the United Appeal video and gave you the We United Appeal leaflet. Uh, we're going for a drip feed because this week we've actually got envelopes for you that allow you to do something about what you heard. Uh, please take one of these with you. Um, have a, another look at your leaflet. Cast your mind back to what we thought about last week, the church planting in Porto, and ask yourself if if God's not challenging you to, to give a little bit to the, the United 
mission of the church, the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Just one last announcement. It's a bit of church family news. Some of you might have seen me tiptoeing over to Dave Mottram there. Um, I was just checking with Dave because I hadn't heard yet the name of their new baby born during this week. So it's great news. Uh, congratulations, Dave, to you and LJ on the birth of Edith. Uh, just do, do what you do. Think of these guys, pray for them and support them in whatever way you can. Thank you. Let's take a moment just now to pray. Um, I would like us to pray for of a couple of things in mind after what we've been thinking about this morning. I'd like to I'd like to give you a chance in our service to pray for your front lines. I don't think we often do that. Um, so what I want you to do, because these are prayers for others, I want you to, to pray for people who you share life with and pray particularly for how God is is calling you to engage with them, what it means to be a, a daughter of, of God, a son of the King, as you engage with these people. So I'm going to give you a moment to pray for your front lines. Then I'm going to pray for a couple of our uh, our mission partners. We have we have two members in mission uh, couples in our church, um, and they're in quite different circumstances at the moment. So I want to pray for them both. Mark and Caroline Welsh. You, you may have heard by now. They're they have come to the conclusion that their time in Central Asia in the work that they're doing there is coming to an end. So we want to pray for them during these last months that they're there. And Monty and Gwen. Um, Gwen's here with us and singing today, but she's just about to go uh, to to Vancouver to be with Monty, where the two are going to be on sabbatical for the next few months. So we want to pray for them, that God would be with them uh, during these next months. Then I'm going to give a a last moment where you can uh, just bring to God other concerns that you might have, people that you want to pray for. So let's pray. Father God, we've remembered today that you are our Father that you want to give us good things, that you want us to ask you to change this world, to make it more like and into a place where your kingdom's more and more evident. So that's what we want to do. Lord, for a moment just now, we want to pray for our front lines. We want to pray for people whom you've put us in contact with, and we want to pray particularly for how you want us to reach them, to bless them, to speak to them, to to do whatever the thing is that you're calling us to do. Hear us as we pray. Father God, we thank you that um, it's part of our church's story in recent years to have enough people here and enough resources to be able to send uh, people from this place to to front lines far from here or significantly different than Ballyhackamore and East Belfast. So we want to pray for a second for Mark and Caroline. Uh, Lord, you've led them to the work that they have been doing these last years. And Lord, you've now given them a sense that their, their time there is coming to an end. Lord, I pray for a real closeness I pray for your spirit to be very dear to them, 
I pray for your guiding and your leading as they consider what it is that they'll come back to or return to uh, when they finish this summer. And Lord, I pray that you'd really use them these last months. I pray for things to happen in their ministry that they don't anticipate, that they haven't planned for, just extra blessings from you. Lord, I pray for Monty and Gwen. Uh, Thank you for the way in which you have led them into the role that they currently uh, occupy, that of working with IFES in Europe. Uh, Lord, thank you for the the work that they have been able to do already in a year and a half, the ways in which you've used them to to encourage people already working and to, to begin pioneering new work in areas where there is none. Thank you for students who've been encouraged in Jesus because of Gwen and Monty's work. Lord, you're a God who gives rest. And I pray that after a busy season in ministry, not just in Europe, but before that on the island of Ireland, I pray that you would really bless Monty and Gwen with a rest these next months as they take this sabbatical. Uh, I pray you'd give them success in the things that they want to, to do and to achieve. But above all, I pray that you'd bring them deeper into their identity. Their identity is not in the work that they do, but in the son and the daughter that they are. Remind them that you're their father. Lord, we pray today for members of our church family and for those beyond who who need your help and your touch. We take a moment just now to name them to you. Lord, as we bring this prayer to a close, I pray that it would only be the start of a day and a week and a month and a year and a lifetime spent talking to our Father Lord, make us your children keep us close to you keep us talking to you about the things in our lives We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing song this morning is called By Faith. It's the the Getty song. Uh, It'll be familiar to you. Uh, I chose it not not because we focus today on faith so much as because there's a, a line we repeat in the chorus where we talk about being children of promise. We are children, each one of us, who, who live our lives in the promises of God. So let's relocate ourselves there as we sing this song. While we do that, the stewards are going to give out uh, a card. Um, as you know, we like to send you home from these frontline services with something tangible, uh, just a wee thing to, to remind you or to keep, keep you in the place where we've been this morning. This is a wee card that has uh, loads of identity. Uh, It has loads of names for you 
and for me. We're sons, we're daughters, we're image bearers, we're holy chosen people, we're temples of the Holy Spirit, we're the light of the world, we're ambassadors of the King, and so on. Just a a wee reminder of some of your identity in Jesus Christ. Take one of these and stick it in the most prominent place, the place where you're going to see it most, so that whenever you don't feel like any of these things, when you feel like a waste of space because you failed for the millionth time that day, make sure it's in that place so that you can see it and be encouraged. Please take one of these home with you. Let's stand and sing by faith.